Well, if you'd like to sit, we're going to have our Bible reading. Today's reading is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 194 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bibles. In this reading, the writer speaks of how the people of God should be faithful in giving to God in response to his faithfulness to them. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand, and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. The Lord God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, will you speak to us once again through your word? And oh, oh, just pour out upon us more of your grace as we seek to worship you. 
In Jesus' name we pray once again. Amen. I'm not sure how many Harvest Thanksgiving services that I've been to in my lifetime. I wonder how many you've been to. Um, But they've always had a place in my life from my earliest recollections. Um, Yeah, as most of you know, and I was born and and, and bred, reared and domiciled uh, in this parish of St. Juan, very much an agricultural parish, and I've always been much aware of the miracle of seed time and harvest and the growers' dependence on the rain and the sunshine, even in these latter years of irrigation and polythene. Um, Growing up on a farm with parents who worshipped in this church Sunday by Sunday, it was a highlight of the year to come uh, and thank God for his faithfulness at harvest time. And I seem to recall that we always sang, uh, Come ye thankful people, come. And I can still replay from my memory bank my dad referring to two lines from that hymn, all is safely gathered in ere the winter storms begin. And Dad used to remark on what a step of faith that we have when we sing those words, for there were invariably so many crops still to harvest in the fields, but we were singing, all is safely gathered in ere those winter storms begin. Yes, harvest was always a very special time. And I wonder if it's, it's, we've played it down in some ways over, uh, over the years. But harvest worship, as we see in Deuteronomy 26, which has just been read to us, it has its roots in biblical tradition. For over 2,500 years, at least, it had been the custom to bring the first fruits the earliest and the best produce to the Lord as a thanks offering. This was in many respects an open confession of man's indebtedness to God. Now much of Deuteronomy, I don't know how well you know uh, the book of Deuteronomy, but much of it centers on worship and as its main theme. And in those 11 verses from chapter 26, we see some important principles about worship. You know, it's just not enough to stop at the visible aspects of harvest thanksgiving. What we see displayed, or uh, what we've seen displayed over the years, may well motivate us to worship. And the writer of Deuteronomy, as he records the occasion when the people brought their gifts, he helps us to discern some outstanding features of true adoration, of praise and thanksgiving. Come on, let's look closely at the examples that are there. Uh, The first one in verses 1 to 4, we see that the key which opens the door to worship is when the genuine and sincere worshipper acknowledges God's generosity when we acknowledge God's generosity. And that, of course, is probably the most obvious aspect of Harvest Thanksgiving. Hopefully, it's there at the back of our minds, if not at the forefront. We bring our gifts, knowing all too well that unless the Lord has been generous to us, we would have nothing to bring and nothing to offer. The initiative rests with God. 
He is the one who set the whole of creation into being. He is the seed maker. He is the one who provides the essential rain to water. Perhaps we haven't had enough in recent weeks. Um, to water the earth, to set germination in motion. And he makes the sun to shine, to ripen the fruit. He's ever generous, ever generous in what he's said, done, and given. And folk come to declare their grateful thanks. We do it personally, but we come on occasion like this, in one sense, publicly. There are, of course, those who tell us uh, how they eagerly knock on heaven's door when they are in trouble uh, or in need of help. They really come as eagerly uh, to meet with God when all is well and to thank him. But what about us, you know? What about our prayer time, for example? What has the priority, especially at those times, perhaps when we cut short our listening and our talking with our Lord? Is it our praise and thanksgiving that we cut short on? Or is it our shopping list of requests? You know, it's said that riches, self-sufficiency and pride go hand in hand. And how we need to avoid falling into that trap by returning daily to acknowledge that God is the bountiful giver and that all things come from him. Yes, we worship our God for his generosity. There's a second key to worship, and it's in verses 5 to 9, and that is to recall God's faithfulness. You know, the Hebrews were encouraged to think not only of their grapes and their olives, uh, what was their, the present harvest for them, but their minds were directed uh, much further back to the past mercies of God. Go back, they are told, to the pages of history. Recall God's faithfulness over the centuries, which enables you to be what you are today. Think of your background. Your father, forefather, he, uh, we, we read there, was a wandering, homeless Aramean. Your ancestors were poor. They were helpless slaves in Egypt. And now... From those humble origins, you are rich in a land flowing with milk and honey. You've been delivered from slavery into a place of promise. God has been faithful to you, faithful as provider, protector, and redeemer. Let all of this, all that's happened, remind you that you have a God who's never left you nor forsaken you, and let all of that prime the pump of praise and prompt your thanksgiving and worship. God is faithful and we worship him for his faithfulness. The third key that opens the door to worship is to honour the uniqueness of God. The writer is addressing a people who had in many ways put more faith in idols than in God. For example, Baal had been regarded as the deity of fertility and they offered him their worship regardless of the results, which were nil. <laughs> they were happy to worship one who had no power to give. But here was a unique God. So in verse 10, I bring 
the first fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. Here was one who gives what he had promised. Here was the one who had acted with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, who had acted with signs and wonders. Here was the one who had brought them to this place and given them all that they had. Here was the one who was indeed worthy of their worship. Because of his uniqueness, he was the one and only God. And the fourth key to worship was their response to God in obedience. Look, it's there in verses 10 and 11. There's that call to bow down before him and to celebrate. At the heart of that word celebrate, the emphasis is on to rejoice. We bow before those we are in awe of. A reminder that we bow before the majesty and might of our God, of his radiance, his dazzling brightness. In comparison, we are the humble ones and we bow before him. But we rejoice too. We rejoice for worship is meant to be a radiantly happy experience for the people of God. You know, one of the marked characteristics of Christ's worshiping community should be its joy. How Paul reminds us in his letter to the church in Philippi, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. You know, in some churches, I see little evidence of joy. Let's not be afraid of a variety of, whether it be musical instruments, of song and dance, whatever, if they are an aid to the expression of our joy in worship. Rejoicing speaks of an outgoing exuberance and it has that added impact of drawing in others. Note how in verse 11 there's a call to involve outsiders in worship. Bring in the Levites and the aliens. Bring in the outsiders that they too may rejoice. You see, rejoicing should be infectious And if it is infectious, others will join joyful people, but they'll run a mile away from gloomy, down-at-the-mouth individuals. There we are. Well, where are we in all of this on the 2nd of October, 2022? Why are you here this morning? Is worship top of your agenda for, for the service? To praise God and to thank him? Are you saying I want to f- worship God for his generosity? Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And what a generous portion of what is his that he's given us. Yes, we worship the Lord for his generosity. Why are you here this morning? Are you saying, I want to worship God for his faithfulness? Turn back the pages of your history. Just recall all that the Lord has graciously done in your life and consider afresh the harvest that he is reaping 
in your life. I could speak at length of God's rich blessings to me, but let me echo a few lines from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. May that be sort of, in many ways, a personal testimony. I once was dead in sin. Now I'm alive in Christ. I was once separated from Christ. Now brought near. I was once poor, now rich. I was once a slave, now free. I was once a foreigner and an alien, now a citizen of heaven. Is that something that I hear each one of you echoing? You know, when we look back on the pages of history and what's happened in our lives, is that something we can now all say? You know, God is faithful, faithful to us, and we worship him for his faithfulness. Why are you here this morning? (laughs) Are you saying I want to worship him for his uniqueness? You know, Jesus didn't die on the cross in order to save some people who would come to him, leaving others to come to God by way of Islam's prophet and the Quran and still others by the way of the teaching of Buddha. No, Jesus stated categorically, exclusively and emphatically, I, only I, am way, truth, life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is unique and we worship him for his uniqueness. And why are you here this morning? Are you saying I want to worship him in obedience? You see, come follow me, Jesus said. Well, I needed to be rescued. As I was drowning in sin, I turned to Jesus in repentance and offered to follow him in trusting belief as my saviour. But I always need to remember that he's also Lord and the one to be obeyed as I follow him. So we bow down before him. We celebrate and rejoice. We worship him in obedience. Oh, you know, may all of this be a reminder to us, not just on Harvest Sunday, but day by day, that we, as we acknowledge God's generosity, as we acknowledge his faithfulness, as we acknowledge his uniqueness, and as we respond to him in obedience, it releases us and it motivates us in our worship. Yes, not just at harvest time, but day by day. Oh, let's pray. Oh, loving, gracious, generous Father, may our lives, our words, our deeds be offered to you each day as part of our worship And may they reflect something of you and proclaim Christ to all whom we meet. In 
Jesus' name.